Good morning. Our scripture reading today is Psalm 126, and it's found on page 6 of the worship guide. It seemed like a dream, too good to be true, when God returned Zion's exiles. We laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. We were the talk of the nations. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. We are one happy people. And now, God, do it again. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives, so those who planted their crops in despair will shout hurrahs at the harvest. So those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with armloads of blessings. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Ashley, for your wonderful gift of music this morning. See this book right here? The Holy Bible. This book is not funny. (laughs) Seriously, the Bible is a lot of things. History, wisdom, an instruction book for living, revelation, song, story, and even romantic poetry. The Bible is God speaking to us. It is essential for our faith journey and the record of God's unending love for us. It is the epic story of creation, formation, and transformation of humankind and God's answer to our brokenness through his son Jesus' life, death, and resurrection here on earth. For Jews and Christians alike, we see this book as sacred for some in part and for the others in whole. Amongst the different Christian denominations, we argue how to interpret the sacred text how it should form and shape our lives, and even if there should be extra books submitted or omitted. One thing I don't hear people arguing about is if the Bible is a comedy. Sure, there are a few humorous tidbits here and there scattered among the Old and New Testaments. Commentators can pull out a few lines of text that were probably funny in their day. But let's face it, not all humor stands the test of time. Like, for instance, the humor in Proverbs about the old nagging wife. Yeah, not so funny. But I would proffer that all in all, the device of humor is not particularly prominent in the Bible. But we know that laughter, joy, and jubilation are present in the Bible. We are encouraged to be joyful in our praise of the Lord and to have a cheerful heart. But humor? And so we are forced to dig a little deeper to uncover the role of humor and the ensuing laughter that accompanies humor. Humor that's done well, done in good spirit and in good taste. And hopefully we'll be able to see this morning that humor and laughter can be a healthy, healing and life-enhancing gift. Much like we discussed around a month ago about tears and crying. That inevitably, as humans, we're going to experience grief, sorrow, and pain. And that crying and tears are a good and beneficial gift from the divine bestowed upon us. But today, we explore their direct counterpart. Not sorrow and tears, but humor and laughter. So I think we know that humor can be in good taste and in poor taste. It can be used to uplift and to tear down. 
In his letter to the Ephesians while in prison, Paul writes this warning to the believers. Obscene language, silly talk, or vulgar jokes aren't acceptable for believers. Instead, there should be thanksgiving. So while the Bible doesn't explicitly direct us to be humorous, there are specific instructions on how not to use humor. I think we could discuss at length the many ways that humor can be used as a weapon and how in our modern culture, humor crosses a lot of lines of decency. Sometimes it's used to divide or demean or demoralize. And so for that discussion, I would direct you to the weekly devotional that I have written, and you'll find that in your worship guide. You can read that this week. But for today's purposes, we look at how humor and laughter play a healthy, positive, and uplifting role in our lives and our faith journey. So while this is not funny, I do want to give a definition of what humor is, just so that we're on the same page, that we have a common working definition. Humor is the quality that makes something laughable or amusing funniness. That which is intended to induce laughter or amusement. The ability to perceive, enjoy, or express what is amusing, comical, or absurd. So to have a sense of humor. A person's characteristic or disposition or temperament. You know, they have a good sense of humor. And often a temporary state of mind or mood. He's in good humor today. So if all that is a little too dry for you, William James, American psychologist and philosopher, said, common sense and the sense of humor are the same thing. They're just moving at different speeds. A sense of humor is common sense, just dancing. So what about Jesus? Was he funny? Was he a humorous guy? Do you want to hear what my daughter Iris has to say about this? Yes, you do. She saw me writing my sermon, and she saw the word humor on my computer screen. She can read now, so it's very dangerous. And she said, why are you talking about humor for church? And I said, well, that's exactly what I'm going to be talking about. You know, humor. It's funny. And she said, why? She got this, like, her face just wrinkled up, and she's like, you know, I don't understand why you think this would be something that's funny. She said, Jesus and God are not funny. They are serious. The Bible is not funny. Which totally made me laugh out loud. Because I was like, well, Iris, Jesus was human. And we like to laugh and have a good time. You don't think, nope, Jesus was serious, she said. So then we got into this whole discussion about the nature of Christ being both divine and man. And, and, and then I won't get into that with you guys. But I think Iris's assessment is probably one that many of us hold. I don't know that we necessarily attribute humor to Jesus. Compassionate? Yes. Humble? Yes. Selfless sacrifice? Wise? Approachable? Unafraid to tell the truth? Courageous? Loving? And untainted? Check, check, check. But funny? But if we go back to the definition of humor... That which is intended to induce laughter and the ability to express what is amusing and or absurd, then yes, Jesus had a sense of humor. According to the classic work Humor of Christ by American theologian Elton Trueblood, there are 30 humorous passages in the Synoptic Gospels. In one way or another, they're all one-liners, parables, or stories that Jesus told. 
with limited time and a VBS to plan, I didn't get a chance to read all 30 of those hilarious moments. But I, it is definitely on my list of books to read. I, I do, however, want to share with you one of those funny moments. I am certain that we can see the humor in this one funny zinger Jesus told, as recorded in Matthew chapter 23. And if you read this chapter in its entirety, it is, well, it's very direct. Jesus is calling out the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Jesus pulls no punches, sort of line after line after line. He takes them to task. But right there in the middle, around verse 24, he drops this little ditty. He says, how terrible for you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites, you give to God one-tenth, even the seasoning herbs such as mint and dill and cumin. But you neglect to obey the really important teachings of the law, such as justice and mercy and honesty. These you should practice without neglecting the others. Blind guides, you strain a fly out of your drink, but swallow a camel. That would have been a roar of laughter in his time. Come on, that is funny stuff. I told it to Iris, and she's like, Mom, that's not funny. No, it is funny, because it's true. That's how the Pharisees operated. They nitpicked things into absurdity. Can you imagine them partitioning out the dill and the cumin, but completely ignoring the suffering of people around them? They missed the whole entire point of the law. The imagery of the Pharisees straining out an almost microscopic bug, because a lot of the scriptures say a gnat. Do you remember that? Straining the gnat out of the cup from their drink. But swallowing a giant camel, that was pure comedy genius. And for Jesus, it was another way to get his point across. It was another way of telling the truth. Danish-American conductor and comedian and pianist Victor Borgia said, There is more logic in humor than in anything else. Because you see, humor is truth. Some would say that Jesus' approach to addressing the Pharisees was a bit of satire, a form of humor that we're familiar with. Or if we want to get really scholarly, it might be something in the vein of reducio ad absurdum, also known as argumentum ad absurdum, a common form of argument which seeks to demonstrate that a statement is true by showing that a false, untenable, or absurd result follows. So, in essence, if you took a logic class in college, you remember one way to attack your opponent and take down their argument was to reduce it to absurdity. That if you followed it to its logical conclusion, you would come up and go, that doesn't even make any sense. Now, leave it to the philosophers to take something so funny and make it so unfunny. But at any rate, we can dissect and analyze the method that Jesus used But in the end, I think he was just using humor as a way to resonate his point, to place a spotlight on the total absurdity of the situation. And let's face it, every good preacher, teacher, or speaker needs to drop a joke here or there just to convey something humorous as a way to connect with the congregation or the class or the crowd, whoever the audience might be. Jesus was masterful at connecting with large crowds 
and yet small groups and individuals of all ages, both sexes, background. He could connect with them all. As one commentator suggested, it's hard to believe that Jesus could hold the attention of the crowds that came to listen to him without employing a little humor now and then. Furthermore, Elton Trueblood notes that Jesus used irony, satire, and humor to help make his point with his disciples. So not just the crowds, but amongst his friends as a teaching device. I read one modern commentary that suggested that there was no way a group of 13 guys could live together, travel together, and eat together, and not joke around. And here I have, insert a joke about the United Methodist pizza night. United Methodist men, they go for pizza. I'm sure there's a little bit of joking that they do over there. It's too bad that we tend to read every word and phrase and view every situation in such a serious and humorless tone when it comes to Jesus. I'm speculating here, but it was probably one of those unfortunate things that happens over time when the narrative was written and the portrait of Jesus took shape and decisions were made to eliminate certain emotions, human emotions, that Jesus had. But I can't help thinking that Jesus, he would have loved to laugh. And I think he would have loved to laugh with us. Truly, there's something magical that happens when well-placed and appropriate humor is elicited. It releases tension, breaks down barriers, and allows for connections to be made. Jesus would have understood this. In an article on preaching and humor, see, I found this funny, that they had an article on the United Methodist Communications website about preachers try to be funny. So there was this whole article about how to use humor in your sermons. Humor can break down barriers by reminding us of our common, flawed humanity, they write. And when we let our guards down, we open ourselves more to the possibility of connection with one another. Reverend Amanda Garber, she talks about how they use it in their congregation. She said, our message is, we're a beautiful mess, like everyone else. Humor helps people to take a step toward community. Something amazing happens when we laugh. It opens doors of creativity. Relational things happen. Problem solving happens. Laughter is a way to help process the pain we encounter in life. And it creates a sacred, safe place. Another put it this way, humor offers an opportunity for emotional engagement. Humor is a bent form of wisdom, says Reverend Brian Erickson. When you help folks laugh, you understand them. I can only imagine that the humor that was just described and shared um, was the kind that Jesus would have employed. I would want us to enjoy the kind of fun, playful humor that is safe relational, and intimate. A kind of humor that brings us together and strengthens our bond as a community of believers. When we start to look at humor in that vein, we see it as more than just jokes and one-liners, but it's truly a way that we as humans can connect with one another on a deeper level. And while good humor is communal and relational, it goes far beyond that. Humor evokes Laughter, Because if nobody's laughing, then it's probably not funny. Our response to humor, when it's good, when it's right, is laughter. It's a wonderful built-in coping mechanism that we humans have. 
It's a unique gift that we have been given. And I can spend a lot of time here, uh, and just like what we addressed when we were talking about tears, the research is lengthy, well-documented, and proven. And the conclusion from the scientific and medical community is that laughter is healthy and beneficial in decreasing stress hormones, raising our endorphins. It boosts immunity, decreases pain, relaxes our muscles, and prevents heart disease. And that's just the physical benefits. There are also mental health and social benefits to laughter. Laughter is quite literally medicine. Laughter can be a survival mechanism. And while facts and figures are compelling, for me it's the stories of real people relying on humor and laughter to lift them out of really horrible situations that fills me with hope. In my research, I read that humor also proved to be a survival factor in the experiences of those interred at the concentration camps in World War II. Various survivors recounted how powerful laughter helped them survive the horrors of the camp. Or consider that there is a movement of laughter therapy for cancer patients. If right now, actually don't do it right now, but if you were to go home and Google Cancer Treatment Centers of America, they offer laughter therapy as a way to combat cancer. Not just for the patient, but for the family as well. Or take the famous case of Norman Cousins, whose personal journey of pain and therapeutic laughter is the direct inspiration of our modern laugh therapy. In his, in his book entitled Head First, The Biology of Hope, he discusses his experiences with a prolonged and serious illness and how he sought out the opportunity to laugh. And not just sort of like a, a chuckle, but like a full-body belly laugh by watching movies and listening to comedy recordings. And it provided him with natural and yet potent pain, pain relief. Hours. The ability to sleep peacefully after having these experiences of laughter. And so we have heard today many things about laughter and how beneficial it is. And it leads me to this conclusion that humor or laughter are good, and they're wonderful gifts from God when used appropriately. The Reverend Dr. William Randolph in his article entitled The Gift of Laughter, What Exercising the Funny Boot Can Do for Older Adult Ministry, he writes, Laughter is a gift from God. Humans are the only animals in the animal kingdom who laugh on demand in response to emotional and intellectual stimuli. We're funny. This is us. We do this. Laughter reaches a part of our spiritual selves as well. Even people with cognitive impairment laugh. And laughter is a coping mechanism for people who are enduring fearful and hurtful situations. So yes, I believe laughter is a gift from God. I'm a firm believer in that. When I first started practicing ministry, I was assigned a mentor, and I began taking some classes. And one of the first things that we were assigned to do was take a spiritual inventory. And then we had to write a paper on our top three spiritual gifts. And I'm not sure which one we were directed to do. It's not the one on the United Methodist site. But when it came back, my number one spiritual gift was humor. And I love telling people that all the time. My number one spiritual gift is humor. And Pastor Jim always pipes in, that's not one that Paul said. I know, but 
that's what the survey said, and I had to write a paper on it, so it must be true. Now, he and I both agree that in its own right, humor and laughter is a good gift from God, even if Paul didn't recognize it. I was not at all surprised that humor was my number one spiritual gift because I have been tackling humor or honing this craft um, since I was about four years old. I love to laugh. I see humor all around me. You can see in my own, ch- my youngest child, he also enjoys humor, takes after his mother. I-, I love to see the juxtaposition in something. That just cracks me up. It just strikes me as funny. I, I love to watch and listen to comedies. In fact, if I can't sleep, I ask David, I'm like, I turn on something funny. That relaxes me. That's how I can go to sleep. I love to share my humor with others, my spouse, my kids, strangers, all of you. My youth group, Nick, if he's here, we, we like to laugh. I also share humor with God. And yes, you too, Sophie. Um, I, I find myself getting so worked up about things sometimes, and I'm like, God, I got this, I got this, I got this. It comes to fruition, and I just start laughing. And I feel like we're laughing together because God's like, I told you. I was telling you that. And it's like this moment where God and I are just sort of like in laughter together. And like, if I just trusted you, I, you know, I did some pretty silly stuff getting to the end point. Being funny, enjoying humor. I have to be careful with it, though. Always got to be careful with humor. But I really have come to embrace it as a way of connecting with people or approaching a difficult task or situation. I, I hate telling people bad news. I, that's probably why I wasn't a very good lawyer. Because I was like, here, let me try to present this in a humorous fashion. Never really worked. But for me, sometimes humor can kind of soften that blow. Someone asks me my opinion, I'm like, well, let's kind of soften this a little bit, and then we'll get into what we really need to say. But it's a way of kind of approaching truth. When I say I've been practicing uh, humor going on about four decades, I'm not exaggerating. It started in my childhood, and it comes from my relationship with my late father, Joel. My dad was a serious man. Let me give you a, a, a visual of my dad. Big man, burly, worker man in charge. Um, the boss. Not particularly a funny guy. Wasn't that guy that was cracking jokes, trying to make people laugh all the time? That wasn't him. But he did have a playful, childlike, and often mischievous sense of humor. But again, he wasn't, you know, a comedian. He loved to prank people. He loved Halloween and Christmas. And he laughed easily at good jokes and old stories shared around the dinner table or at gatherings with family and friends. I learned early on that when my dad stepped into the front door of our house, that his mood was going to dictate our family. What kind of day he had, how stressful it had been, and how many work-related mishaps had occurred that day. Dad never really left work. He didn't ever leave it behind. But when we would sit down at the dinner table and we would go around and share our day, I noticed if I could get my dad to laugh, we had a chance, a chance at helping him let go and relax. I don't think my dad had that as a kid, a chance to experience 
safe laughter and lightheartedness that we cultivated in my own family. His childhood wasn't warm and emotionally available for the most part. When I could make my dad smile, or even better yet, laugh, I knew that I had something special. And my little sisters followed in my footsteps, so we're like a whole comedy troupe in my family. We all took great delight in making my dad laugh. One of the most difficult aspects of dad's last months with cancer was that it wasn't funny. Nothing about what he was going through was funny. And he did not feel like laughing anymore. And I felt crippled. That one thing, that one connection I had relied on so heavily my entire life and what shaped our relationship was not available to me anymore. Ecclesiastes 3.4 says, There is a time for crying and a time for laughing. And for Dad and I, there was a time when we had to put laughter aside. And I honestly didn't know what to say to him. And then Dad died, peacefully, at home. And within hours, I would say three to four hours, the news had traveled among family, close friends, employees of my dad. And maybe it's a small town thing, but by the end of the night, I counted almost 40 people in Mom and Dad's house. We were ascended upon with food and hugs and prayers, these things that we needed, but we also were brought laughter from people who knew him and loved him as much as we did. There was so much laughter that night. I cried writing the story about us laughing, but it was so emotional, these stories being told. You remember that time Joel did such and such? Remember that time Dad did this or that? And we were laughing through our tears. And finally, finally, we could laugh again. And it felt so good. And all that was good and fun and wonderful about Dad was very much alive that night. It was healing and therapeutic. And laughter has carried me and my entire family through a difficult and painful loss. There is a time for crying and a time for laughing, a time for mourning and a time for dancing. And so we find that as God's most beloved creation, we have been endowed with some of the most beautiful and healing gifts to help us navigate this life. On the one hand, we have tears, but on the other hand, we have laughter. Mark Twain said, humor is mankind's greatest blessing. I won't argue with that. And do I think Jesus was funny? Iris, I sincerely think that Jesus was warm and inviting, and he surely had a quick wit and a divine sense of humor that spoke the truth and yet connected with people in profound and meaningful ways. Humor is not just jokes, no, or merely trying to get a laugh. It's much more than that. It's a way of life. As Pastor Brian Erickson puts it, I find that there's a difference between humor and jokes. Humor is an attitude, a joyful approach to life. If you help people to laugh, it's helpful. Laughter and tears are both windows into the soul. And so I really do know the difference between jokes and humor. 
But I want to conclude this morning because I just can't help myself. I didn't say this was a sermon on self-control, but I'm going to tell you a joke because I think it would make both my dads laugh. Here goes. A preacher said to a farmer, do you belong to the Christian family? Nope, he said. They live two farms down. No, I mean, are you lost? No, I've been here 30 years. I mean, are you ready for judgment day? When is it? Well, it could be today or tomorrow. Well, when you find out for sure when it is, you just let me know. My wife will probably want to go to both days. (laughs) Would you join me in prayer? Dear Lord, thank you for giving us the gift of laughter and a sense of humor in a world that often gives us difficult situations and experiences. Let us ever be mindful of the gift you have given us, to never use it to hurt others, but rather guide us to use it as a way of connecting with others, healing our individual and collective pain, and ultimately let us use laughter and humor as an instrument of joy that we can share with each other and with you. Oh God, draw us nearer to you and your son Jesus Christ in both moments of laughter and of tears. Amen.